Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about wheat seed treatments. Now, if you don't raise wheat, a lot of these same seed treatments, or at least the active ingredients, can also be used in many other crops. Seed treatments are incredibly important, and there certainly are some newer advances out there. So we'll talk about that as we go throughout the show today. If you've got any questions for us, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. Before we do, I just want to let you know we've got the Ag PhD field day coming up in a couple of weeks. It's actually two weeks from Thursday. So the last Thursday in July every year is when we host our Ag PhD field day. So that's Thursday, July 29th this year. We put this on each year just to say thanks to you for listening to Ag PhD Radio and watching us on Ag PhD TV. We really appreciate it. So we uh, we open up our farm and we do a lot of work throughout the year. We've got our Ag PhD research people and just uh, our, our people on the farm and everything who just spend a crazy amount of time putting in plots and getting all kinds of things ready to go for you. So when you arrive, you're going to see a lot of our research. And besides that, we will have brought in guest speakers um, and, in fact, a lot of high-yield farmers from across the United States. So it's a really interesting day just even listening to a lot of those farmers speak. We also have a lot of other great guest speakers lined up talking about everything from estate planning to drainage law. We're actually going to have Colin Peterson here, too. He used to be the head of the Ag Committee or the House Ag Committee. Um, So he was in Congress for like 30 years. He was a U.S. representative out of the state of Minnesota. But because of his work in the House Ag Committee and even chairing the House Ag Committee, committee, um, he has a lot of insight into what's going on in terms of all the things that they're talking about in the government right now, even carbon credits and just, well, there, there, there's a lot. So he's he's going to speak that day. We also have an air show. We got free food and drinks. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, it's a lot of fun. Go to agphd.com to learn more, to pre-register. It's a free event. We'd love to have you there. And again, that's Thursday, July 29th. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, Brian, I got this one from Clint. He said, I'm in central Illinois. We've had some excessive rain lately, but our crop is looking really nice with the price of the crop. I'm contemplating a second fungicide plus foliar pass or a Y-drop pass. I've already side-dressed everything with anhydrous and NSERV, so I think I'm good on the nitrogen. Two weeks ago, I sprayed some foliar fertilizer and Veltima on corn two to five days after tassel. Wondering what your thoughts are of doing another fungicide pass here in central Illinois. Do you typically see benefits from multiple passes? I should mention, we've been really humid, so disease pressure is definitely high. Okay, we we do see response. The question is just, are you going to get enough response to justify how many dollars you're going to spend? And so when the corn price is good, you know, we've got $5 corn in a lot of areas, new crop. So you start running the math and you're like, well, if I spend 20 bucks, I'd only need four bushels of corn. If I spend 30, I got to have six. Um, I, I, I'll just tell you, the more rain you have and the more humidity you have, you, you hit the nail on the head there that 
you're going to have more disease pressure. So of any year to do it, this might be the one from the way it sounds in your area because you've had rain, you've got humidity, you've got a high crop price. And quite frankly, we're still dealing with last year's fungicide prices for the most part. So fungicide prices, if you don't remember, actually came down this year. And so we look at that and we go, okay, the fungicide prices were based on a $3 corn market not a $5 corn market. So the, the, the odds are probably in your favor that, that it could work out for you. I would just say, make sure you leave some check strips and then that's going to help you verify, did it actually pay? And is this something I want to continue to do again? But yeah, I know even on our own farm, we're, and I hate to say taking chances, but Quite frankly, farming is always about taking chances to some degree. What we're trying to do is make smart decisions and taking controlled risks. And I don't mind taking some risk when I feel like the odds are definitely in my favor that it's going to pay. All right. Thanks for the question. Get this one from Chad. And he said... uh, Love your show. Want to talk about calcium a little bit. You talked about that back at the end of June. You had a guest named Dick Goff on there that said calcium is not available when pH is above 7, and you talked about that a little bit. According to the pH chart, it shows calcium is most available at 7 to (laughs) 8.5. I I understand just because a soil test says you have a lot doesn't mean it's available. However, what was said on your show didn't make sense to me, uh, that you have to lower the pH with sulfur to make calcium more available. It goes against what I... Uh, believe I've learned according to that pH nutrient chart, the calcium availability goes down. Just wonder if you could talk about that a little more. Yeah. And I'll just say this, I'm with him. And when we've heard this from Dick Goff and we've heard it from Neil Kinsey and all these people who are, I'll be honest, they're a lot smarter than I am on soils. I, I, I feel like I'm pretty sharp on soils, but I mean, these are two of the most brilliant people in the world talking about soils. And so when they say that to me, and they've said that to me and Darren for years now, <laughs> this isn't just a one-time thing. Dick Goff has been telling us that for 30 years, and we've worked with Neil Kinsey off and on for 10, 15 years now. Um, I... I, I I, I, I don't believe it's not available. We just believe it's less, I would say I just believe it's less available as your pH continues to climb. So when you get at least some sulfur, and let me, let me put it this way, a lot of these high pH soils, we do see issues with sulfur shortages also. So adding some sulfur there It's not like, oh, I'm only doing that to lower pH. No, you're doing that to get some sulfur out there. Plus, you're getting some calcium that comes a little bit more available. And we do know that lowering pH a little bit helps almost every other nutrient out there, other than maybe molybdenum. But most nutrients are more available in the 6s for pH than they are in the 7s and especially 8s. So, anyway... I'm with you. It's probably still somewhat available, but it's not super available at those high pH levels. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You work for results. That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. 
enlist.com. In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit-robbing insects. A tank mix of Daikon IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or Daikon IGR Plus, offers the long-term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad-spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit bugfreegrains.com. Join us for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. We're putting on a full day that you won't want to miss. Yield champs will share about raising yields and profits. Industry experts will discuss drainage law, estate planning, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you dozens of research plots and have equipment running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day. Register now at agphd.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about wheat seed treatments. And it's one of those areas where I remember when I first got into agronomy and seed treatments were a discussion, but boy, there are a lot of guys. I'd say of the vast majority of acres of wheat were not getting a treatment, or if they were, uh, they were just putting a fungicide on and probably just a single fungicide. And now, Wow, there's so many different things that can go on wheat seed, and it's just been a dramatic change. It's definitely led to better stands, and certainly I hope a part of the the better yields that growers are experiencing. Got a real high-yield farmer, Lee Lubers, here from South Dakota. And Lee, I know you've been uh, on the same trajectory as me in terms of trying different products as, as they come out. Where were you at with wheat seed treatments 30 years ago? Just kind of curious, and then compare that and contrast that with today. Well, it was a complete 180 from where we are today. Uh, we were trying to learn about treatments and uh, not a lot of knowledge or experience out there. And then uh, we started using treatments back in uh, about 1998, and it was a game changer. And uh, we we wouldn't plant wheat without it. <laughs> No, I agree. We're we're in the same boat, and we aren't we aren't huge wheat farmers here. But I think about disease pressure that we have that varies from year to year. One year it's rhizoctonia, and the next year it's pythium, and you just can't really predict that. It, I have no idea if it's going to be super dry, super hot, super wet, and we're probably going to get all of those conditions at some point in the season. Yeah, it seems that way. And with treated seed, we're getting so much better stand counts and healthier stands, better root systems. Uh, we could have wheat that could look great coming out of the gate and by spring it'd be dead from seedling diseases and we don't have that happen anymore. 
you know, I know right out in your area, Lee, there are some guys that, that do a lot of cereal production. And it seems like we get some different diseases depending on the crop rotation. Have, have you noticed big changes? And are there any, I know you said you wouldn't consider planting without it, but are there additional treatments that you add in certain rotations? Or do you pretty much go with the max every time? Uh, we like a loaded up product and an insecticide is an absolute must. Uh, we started figuring out uh, wireworms. Uh, they weren't wiping out our stands, but when you're planting a million two, a million five, whatever you plant for population, you're getting thinning in spots and uh, weaker root systems. If you're out in the cornfield and it's 25,000, you go, whoa, I lost a bunch of stand. You could lose 10% of your wheat and it wouldn't hardly show up, but it was definitely dragging us down on yield. Yeah, it's it's been interesting, and now we think about not only just protection, but some of the treatments, some of the different natural type products, and and other things that are getting put on. Maybe even PGRs, plant growth regulators, to improve or stimulate early growth. Uh, I know you're always experimenting with some of those things, Lee. Are are there some products that are worth trying? If you're giving advice to other farmers out there, would you say you know there are some of these new things that that you should be taking a look at? Uh, yeah, uh, we won't plant seed unless we have a fully loaded uh, seed treatment for uh, insecticide and for fungicide. And then uh, we love a PGR, run a PGR with it. We see a lot bigger improvement in root mass and winter survivability. And there's some great biological products out there now that we can stack with it. And we're getting increases in yield that way too. Yeah, I know we get growers that say, we don't have access to some of these things, but you just have to ask around other suppliers. I know Lee's one that's always always got his ears open for those types of things and looking literally around the world for, for new things to add to the operation. Lee, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time, and, and good luck to you here. Thanks a lot. We've got Warren McDougall with us right now with Central Life Sciences. Warren, how are you doing today? I'm doing well today, Brian. You Brian, know, Darren, I'm sorry. That's that's okay. It always makes Brian smile. He he likes it when I get called Brian too. So no no problem with that, Warren. We're kind of used to that. Hey, uh, yeah, it's, well, it's part of the game with radio too. Well, who is it? Which one of the guys is it here talking? Uh, okay, so Central Life Sciences to to some farmers that's a new name. Talk a little bit about what you do. Uh, well, Central Life Sciences is involved in the grain protection business. Uh, uh, we're a small part of a larger company, Central Garden and Pet, and as its uh, name kind of infers, they're all about uh, garden and pet products, but we're kind of the, the offshoot, uh, and we have some, some products uh, to help uh, growers and commercial entities protect grain while it's in storage. You know, one of the things we just had uh, Lee Luberzon, he's a fantastic farmer, and, and he was talking about how on the seed treatment side, they're using multiple products, just trying to protect against a number of different things. And you talk about protecting grain and keeping it bug-free. I love your bug-free grains lineup. You've got a lot of different modes of action there, and I think that's something many farmers don't know. Talk to us a little bit about insect growth regulators and adulticides and these combination products you got, because there really are a lot of choices and a lot of tools that farmers could be using there are uh absolutely uh no doubt our lead product is called diacon it is an insect growth regulator uh it breaks the life cycle uh so an insect can't go from a larval stage to an adult so therefore you get no new adults to 
uh, lay new eggs and, and continue that, that increase in population. Uh, th- that's our, our lead product. Uh, but we also have uh, an adulticide uh, called Sentinel, which is a pyrethroid-based insecticide uh, that is labeled for, uh, for use within grain. Uh, and it, it can provide us uh, contact as well as residual control of those insects uh, uh, while that grain's in storage. We also have a, uh, a, a, a pyranil-based uh, uh, material called, that we named crop spray uh, that can be used in, in a number of different applications from on-grain or uh, bin prep t- treatments or uh, fogging-type applications. Well, this is the time time of year where a lot of growers start to see some issues out in these bins, especially if they're holding. I know these markets have been up and down, and and growers that still have grain might be holding for some of those highs that they saw and hoping we'd get back up there. And all of a sudden, we get some bugs in the bin. So I know the best thing would be having the bin clean and pre-treating grain as it goes in so you just don't have the problems in the first place but what do you do once once growers have got an issue out there and they see oh no i I got something going on in the bin well if you have a problem going on the bin you're you're really down to two options uh one option is you know a phosphine based material uh you know aluminum and magnesium or magnesium phosphide as a fumigant uh, if you can't move that grain, but if you can move that grain, move it from one bin to another, then you can set up a, a simple uh, application system to apply uh, our Sentinel product, uh, which is that contact insecticide, along with PBO8, which is a synergist that uh, uh, really increases the the contact activity on and in some cases, we have some of the grain-infesting insects that have been exposed to pyrethroids for years and years that may be somewhat tolerant to them. Uh, so that combination has proven to be highly effective, and we can uh, do a, a simple uh, a turn and treat type operation uh, to take care of those insects that, are, that have infested that grain. Yeah, I like that option in that a farmer can do that himself. And it, it's I, I get it. You can hire somebody to come in and fumigate, but man, it's it's dangerous working with that stuff. I know for, for growers that in the past had said, Well, I'd be interested in doing that myself. No, no, you're not. <laughs> you can do this uh, uh move move the grain and treat as you go much easier. It's it's a, a safe way to do things as well. Uh, we're talking Absolutely. About... Oh, go ahead, Warren. I was just say absolutely. I mean, all of our products are non-restricted use, so uh, they can purchase purchase them uh, virtually uh, anywhere without a license. Where if you're using a, a phosphine-based material, you're going to have to be fully licensed in order to utilize those materials. Absolutely. Well, you definitely have to be smart if you want to keep your grains bug-free, and the folks at Central Life Sciences can help. We've got Warren McDougall with us today. Warren, thank you so much. Really appreciate learning a little more about what you do and some of the offerings for farmers. Thank you very much, and have a good day. Bet. You as well. Get back to talking more on the seed treatment side right after this. 
Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento Fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento Fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Please join us for the Ag PhD Field Day coming up Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day is the largest farm field day in America, and we have a lot planned again this year. We host the event just one day each year as a way to say thank you for listening to Ag PhD Radio and watching Ag PhD TV. We have free admission, free parking, and free food and drinks throughout the day. We've got yield champs from across the country speaking about raising higher yields and increasing profits. We also have speakers on drainage law, estate planning, changes in farm tax laws, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you some of the dozens of research plots we're working on. Rob Sharkey will be there to do a live Shark Farmer radio show, and we'll have equipment both on display and running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. Go to agphd.com to learn more and register. When it comes to soybean diseases, the longer you wait, the more damage you do. Stop the clock on white mold and other yield-robbing diseases with Approach Prima Fungicide from Corteva AgriScience. Approach Prima Fungicide quickly surrounds the surface of the plant for rapid absorption, then moves throughout the plant, providing full protection of each leaf and stem, even those that have yet to emerge. Uptake occurs on day one, nearly twice as fast as the next leading competitor. For more information, visit approachprima.corteva.us or your local crop protection retailer. Always read and follow label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Talking about wheat seed treatments, and this is an area on our farm where we've really stepped up our game. There's no doubt about that compared to how we used to farm. And a complete wheat seed treatment has been really important to us. We'd love to hear about what you do on your farm. If you want to talk about how you're dealing with your wheat seed, or if you just want to ask an agronomic question, our phone lines are open, 844 44 ag phd uh brand get a question that had come in here too this one's from william in north carolina he said i get a weed control question i'm not really in an agronomic setting i'm more into horticultural management but i'm wondering about glyphosate and glufosinate uh 
you're using them, of course, in your Roundup, Ready, Liberty, Link, uh, and also the dicamba-type products. Do you, di- do you ever combine glyphosate and glufosinate or Roundup and Liberty? And I got a several other questions as well. Um, there are some people who do that. I don't really understand why you would do that. But could you? You certainly could. I don't, I don't have any big issue with it. Glyphosate is cheap, so if you want to throw that in your glufosinate, that's fine. Glyphosate is a little bit stronger on some grass weeds than what glufosinate would be. And maybe if you're just thinking, well, you know, this gives me at least a little bit better shot to stop any resistance issues, I'm fine with it. But, I, I mean, am I planning to do that on our farm? No. Yeah, he said the resistance issue is one of the things he's worried about, spraying perennial and annuals, uh, obviously without touching the desirable vegetation. Okay, but will the Liberty, and I don't know because we haven't really done many combinations of this or seen many combinations of this in the past, will the Liberty shut the plant down before the uh, glyphosate gets all the way down in the extensive root system of a perennial weed? I know that to be true when, when 2,4-D or dicamba, for example, are mixed with glyphosate, you'll have poor perennial weed control. And I really realize you think, well, wait a second. I mean, glyphosate's really good on perennials. Yeah, it is when it's sprayed by itself. But what happens with 2,4-D and dicamba is they shut the plant down. And so the plant can't move or as we call it, translocate the glyphosate down into that big root system. So you get inferior kill. And we've seen that for 30 years. Okay. The other question that he had was, what do you think about the new 240 choline formulations? Great. Are these safe enough to use in horticultural applications? Well, probably, yes. So I would just say use them where they're labeled, but we just have not seen really any movement out of that new Enlist formulation, the new 240 choline. It's really, really good. The Enlist 1 has basically another drift retardant in there. They call it Colex D to go along with their good formulation of Freelex that's the straight 2,4-D choline. So Freelex is the base product. Enlist 1 is Freelex plus, er, plus the Colex D. All right. Well, thanks for the questions, Bill. We really appreciate that. Uh, got Tom with us right now in northern Montana. I want to talk a little grasshoppers. Tom, how you doing? I'm doing all right. And you? Well, I I'm doing better until I heard you talking about grasshoppers here. I thought, uh-oh, this could be a problem this year. Are you seeing oh. a big uh, influx of hoppers out there? It is unbelievable how bad. Started in May with a little microscopic 8-inch, 16-inch long, and they've grown and devoured pretty much anything and everything. And... Just kind of curious what you guys know about the life cycle of a grasshopper. Do they eat more when they're small? Do they eat more when they're big? Yes. Yep, they eat more when they're big. (laughs) Uh, So I'll just tell you, back when I was in college, so this is back in the dark ages, eons ago, uh, I used to work for FMC uh, both in college and then right after college for a while. And that was one of my things was going out scouting for grasshoppers and we'd look at the different stages and basically they go through uh, it's molting stages and they're like five stages. Uh, And Mm -hmm. basically uh, it, uh, it gets rid of its old shell and moves on to the next one and everything. And it's the same 
it's the same uh, bug. It just basically gets bigger is how I look at it. Whereas some other bugs, yep. they go through, oh, they're a worm, and now they're a moth or whatever it is. So it's just the grasshopper. When they're small, you have the best chance to kill them. And that's all I ever really cared about is how am I going to stop these things? Once they get past that fifth stage, now you're talking about wings. And when you see wings, they are at the adult stage, and now you're in trouble because they they can really do a lot of damage. They can move much more quickly, obviously, with wings, and they're harder to control. So we used to sell a lot of Furidan back in the old days when I was working for FMC, and that was really, really good. The guys that didn't want Furidan, they used Parathion. And I always tell this story when I used to, when I was working for FMC, I had to call on aerial applicators uh, a lot. And several of the guys just said, yeah, if I get parathion in my spray tank and I go down with the plane, there's no point in even trying to get to the hospital. I'm dead. Oh, and by the way, everything that I spray in that field is dead. I don't care if it's the raccoons, the deer, that literally everything is dead in that field as well as the grasshoppers. But I mean, those were the kinds of products we used to deal with. So all these people that want to talk about safety with pesticides and everything i'm like oh my gosh you don't even realize what you're talking about today the products are so much safer than old parathion and even furidan furidan was pretty bad news uh so they're both off the market today here what we're dealing with now is a lot of these pyrethroids uh lores band those kind of products so you know they're okay but they're not fantastic and on in terms of killing grasshoppers uh, it, it, it's so bad that it, the people that are spraying are, are killing them, but they're just moving in. Yep. And yep. guys have given up spraying their wheat crop. Um, it's, uh, I got some hay fields that, that we cut first cutting off of and irrigated it after the grasshoppers move off, and now they're moving back. And don't see a lot of damage to the alfalfa yet, but I know what's coming, and we're going to hit them pretty hard here within the next Three, four days. Yeah. And I mean, the good news is these insecticides are relatively inexpensive. The other good news is grasshoppers typically move in waves. They don't just fly in and they're landing 50 fields away or anything like that or 50 miles away. It's no, they're moving from like, like you say, hey, you cut the wheat. Guess where they're going? What's the field right next to it? They're going to go there and then they're going to eat all the grass in the ditch on the way there. And so what we always used to tell guys is, look, if you want to try to save some money, then go spray your ditch. Go spray your field boundaries. Do that so you can stop them right there and you'll get some residual. Use the full rates of any of these insecticides. You'll get residual for, you know, maybe a week or two and then at least you can slow the things down. You haven't spent a fortune and insecticides are relatively inexpensive anyway. Yeah, they are. Yeah, that's and that's that's what everybody's doing is spraying the ditches, spraying the fence lines and it's uh it's so bad that it you know they're hitting it every other week i mean it's i don't know if you've heard about it but it is it is something else up here Oh, yes. Uh, We have definitely heard about it. We're paying attention to that all the time. And even here where we're at, we had been really, really dry. We got an inch and a half of rain, and that was the biggest rain we'd had in a year. Uh, We got it just over the weekend, and I was so thankful. And the temperatures uh, cooled down a little bit, too. So that's the other thing is the hotter it is, the faster these grasshoppers go through their molting stages, and the faster they become adults. So it just speeds the time up of when they 
they can get this damage done. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it, it's frustrating. But I mean, they are worse in the hot, dry years. And that's really what we've been dealing with through much of the northern part of the United States and into southern Canada. So, no, this is unfortunately going to be one of the worst grasshopper years we've seen in a long time. Oh, I think we lost Tom there. Uh, well, anyway, Tom, uh, thanks for calling in. Sorry to hear that uh, that that you're having these grasshopper issues, but hang in there. I mean, the season's going to be done in not all that long. You just spray a couple, three more times, and you, again, you don't necessarily have to spray whole fields or anything. Insecticides don't cost that much money. The only thing I would caution you on is you've got to pay attention to the pre-harvest intervals for each different crop because when you start mentioning wheat you start mentioning alfalfa it's like ooh uh you could be harvesting any day depending on where you're at uh for our listeners so try to pick products that have shorter pre-harvest intervals for example in alfalfa mustang max is only three days whereas a lot of other products are seven to 14 days so that's one of the reasons mustang max is so popular in alfalfa we come back we had a question from mitch about which crop would be the easiest to increase yields by 10 percent in we'll talk about it after this do you need to replant soybeans due to cold temperatures, heavy rains, or another weather event? Weeds don't seem to care, and you have limited options for last-minute weed control. This is when you turn to Spitfire herbicide from New Farm. Unlike other Phenoxy herbicides, Spitfire can be applied up to seven days before planting. Fields treated with the dual active power of Spitfire will benefit from weed control that will ease planting and help your beans establish a good stand. Spitfire from New Farm, here to help. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Please join us for the Ag PhD Field Day coming up Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day is the largest farm field day in America, and we have a lot planned again this year. We host the event just one day each year as a way to say thank you for listening to Ag PhD Radio and watching Ag PhD TV. We have free admission, free parking, and free food and drinks throughout the day. We've got yield champs from across the country speaking about raising higher yields and increasing profits. We also have speakers on drainage law, estate planning, changes in farm tax laws, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you some of the dozens of research plots we're working on. Rob Sharkey will be there to do a live Shark Farmer radio show, and we'll have equipment both on display and running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. Go to agphd.com to learn more and register. 
heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and questions. We're going to get into a discussion here about uh, which crop may be the easiest or the hardest to increase yield on in just a second. But first, we want to go to the phone lines. We've got Jared with us in Illinois. Also talking about insects uh, in alfalfa this time. Now, Jared, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Darren. How are you doing? Good, good. Okay, tell me first of all, uh, alfalfa cuttings this year. How many cuttings have you taken, and what kind of crop have you had so far? Well, we have actually taken off two cuttings at this point. Uh, truthfully, I couldn't tell you what kind of quality we've had. My cousin usually takes care of uh, that end of the farm, but I'm out tissue sampling today, so uh, I couldn't tell you what kind of quality uh, he's had with it, but we are on our second cutting. Okay, okay, but you got some bugs out there, so what are you seeing? Uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, leafhopper injury, and I just wanted to uh, double-check. I was thinking about using some form of warrior to go out there, but I wasn't quite sure if uh, that was advised for alfalfa. Yep, it absolutely is. I was just making the comment right before our break that Mustang Max has the shortest pre-harvest interval that at least I know of or can think of off the top of my head. It's three days. I'm pretty sure the pre-harvest interval for Warrior is longer than that. Darren, you can maybe double-check me on that. But, yeah, the trouble with leaf hoppers is they inject a toxin into the plant, and so then the plant ends up uh, where the leaves turn yellow, and it's just, it's it's not a good thing, obviously. The other thing is when you're out scouting for alfalfa and you find leafhoppers, it's common to find at least a few other harmful insects out there. The concern people always have is, well, we've got good insects out there, these beneficials, and I hate to kill those. Believe me, I hate to kill them too, but if I see too many leafhoppers, I just, you got to pull the trigger, you know? Would this form be better? Say that one more time. Uh, there's an insecticide out there for uh, that only kills off the or keeps the beneficials. Is it Transform or? Uh, uh, yeah. So there. Yep. So I, there's yeah. So there's Transform and there's Safina. So Transform is the Corteva product and Safina is the BASF product. They both are much better at leaving beneficial insects out there. The problem is they have a very narrow insect spectrum. So unless you're going after, okay. I mean, it's mainly aphids. That's what they're going to kill. So in terms of leafhoppers, uh, you know, that's, it's just, it's a, it's a little bit different story. You're just not going to get that same uh, performance that you're after. And here's the other problem. When we start talking about products like Mustang Max and Warrior, we're talking two bucks an acre. So it's really, really inexpensive. When you go to Transform and Safina, now you're at six. Not a big deal, but nevertheless, for most people, as soon as I say, well, you got to spend four more dollars, they go, whoa, I don't want to spend four more dollars. <laughs> so that, that, that gets to be the issue well, for a lot of guys. Very good. Well, I, what about reinvesting those $4 into uh, grass control <laughs> on that same field? 
Uh, well, that sounds great to me if you have uh, grass issues out there. Uh, oh, I would, and by the way, I just I had to look up on the label because I don't remember all the bugs that, like, let's say, for example, Safina controls. And it depends on which crop we're talking about. Oh, and uh, let's see, Safina, I don't think is technically labeled for alfalfa. There's another one that's got that in scal- No, there's that's got that in scallus that's labeled for alfalfa, I think, but I don't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, my point is those aren't good options for you anyway because they kill aphids, whiteflies, uh, psyllis or psyllids, and uh, that's about it. Thrips. Thrips, thank you. So anyway, yeah, Transform and Safina are just a very narrow spectrum. Very good. Uh, Which which is great. What about grass controlling that alfalfa? Sorry, one more time. What what control in alfalfa? Uh, Grass. uh, Grass controlling the alfalfa. Yeah, in any, uh, like clethodim, that would probably be your best okay. bet, and that costs like $2 And, an and it can be mixed with the insecticides. And, yeah, Mustang yep. Max, three-day pre-harvest interval, right. the, the warrior-type Lambda side product, seven days. Seven, yeah, that's what I thought. Yep. So, yeah, Mustang Max is probably your better way to go. Very similar price, similar product, both second-generation pyrethroids, that. And uh, uh, whether it's Serpent, it's uh, uh, Warrior, uh, Asana, they're all second-generation pyrethroids. Very good. I appreciate it, guys. Appreciate all you do. You bet. Yep. Thanks for the call. Thank you. All right. Uh, oh, oh, oh no, go ahead. I, I, want, I was just going to wrap up the seed treatment thing, but we can get to that later. You had some question well, queued Mitch, up. Well, Mitch had a question, and he said, if you were to visit the average Midwest row crop operation, which yep. crop, corn or soybeans, would it be easier to increase yield by 10%? You can disregard economics and profitability if you need to in the short term. Just kind of curious what you think. Which crop could get a jump start faster? Well, I think for both crops, you could do it. Um, it just depends on the operation and, 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 and what things look like. So I would want to take a look at what they're doing for fertility and weed control and a whole bunch of other things. My first thought, though, honestly, is soybeans, in part because the average farmer does not fertilize in the year they raise soybeans, and many farmers do not put on enough fertilizer to carry the corn year and the soybean year. We had that, was it just yesterday on the show? And the farmer said, okay, I'm doing a two-year thing on potash. And I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. let's look at the yields here. Uh, that's not enough for two years, you know, for corn and soybeans. So I, I can just tell you, like soybeans on our farm, we have made a dramatic jump because of drain tile, because of potassium we've done, um, some micronutrients, doing a better job with weed control. The fungicide thing is, that's the real deal. Uh, you know, we're getting gains on that. They don't have to be big gains because usually we're out spraying other stuff too. But just fungicide alone might gain you that. Seed treatment, that's there. there's a huge difference in seed treatments. We had over 70 seed treatments we put on all our soybean seed this spring. Had amazing emergence, even though soil temp was ridiculously cold. So, I mean, there are many things you can do in soybeans. And just as my opinion, but I just feel like for most guys, their heart is kind of in corn. And the bragging rights are in corn. And so they put their dollars to corn. So if they would do the exact same type of treatment and feel the same way about soybeans, I think just right there alone, you could gain the 10%. All right. 
Uh, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. And it is a good topic of discussion. That's one of those that you'd sit around in the winter and, and uh, over a cup of coffee or something across the table, talk with your neighbors about and, and see what everybody thinks. I'm betting you're going to get a lot of different ideas. Now, the last thing that I mentioned for soybeans was the seed treatment. Today on the show, we've been talking about wheat seed treatments. And just to wrap that up a little bit, there are three main categories I look at with seed treatments. It's fungicide, it's insecticide, and then it's you can call it everything else, but I usually will say biologicals or I'll often call them naturals because let's face it, when you use the word naturals as opposed to when you use the word biologicals and you do it just out in the general public, which one of those two words is going to make people more nervous? Probably the word biologicals. So I always use the word naturals. So anyway, when we talk about natural products, it's things that already exist somewhere in nature. We're just taking it over and using it on our crop. So for example, like on our farm, for any small grain production we're doing, we're using this combination of NutriCycle and Heat Shield. And we've talked about these products quite often because we use them in corn and soybeans as well and many other crops. And like this year, for example, we were in corn. Well, one of our guys was in corn and we'd, we'd taken... Uh, a brand of corn that doesn't have a whole lot for seed treatments on there, and I'm not going to uh, denigrate that brand by telling you which one it was, but we planted a bunch of that on our farm and like a whole quarter section and did every other, basically split the planter where we had untreated or basically the corn with just the normal treatments. And the other side, we had the NutriCycle and Heat Shield with it. And our one of our guys, uh, well, Rob Fritz, who's occasionally on the, uh, the radio show with us, uh, he called me the other day and he goes, Brian, you're going to believe it. I'm walking through this where we did the NutriCycle heat shield in corn and it's every other pass with the planters. So 24 row planters, so every 12 rows. And he said, it's like walking in an ice box. And I go, come on, it is not. And so anyway, the next day they took and cut plants off and measured the temperature treated versus untreated. It was five degrees cooler. North Carolina state has also proven the same thing with that product and with that combination. And so I would just say there are things that you can use for biologicals or, as I call them, naturals that can really help you. And I'm not saying you have to do exactly what we're doing, but try some different products out. Insecticide, I really like it. Uh, it costs very little and you can get some good gain. And it even helps you on things like grasshoppers, like we were talking about on the show today. And then fungicide. The biggest thing is use multiple fungicides and you'll get good results. But use at least two and preferably three or four to help you out. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. 
Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Please join us for the Ag PhD Field Day coming up Thursday, July 29th on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day is the largest farm field day in America, and we have a lot planned again this year. We host the event just one day each year as a way to say thank you for listening to Ag PhD Radio and watching Ag PhD TV. We have free admission, free parking, and free food and drinks throughout the day. We've got yield champs from across the country speaking about raising higher yields and increasing profits. We also have speakers on drainage law, estate planning, changes in farm tax laws, grain marketing, and the H-2A program. Plus, we'll show you some of the dozens of research plots we're working on. Rob Sharkey will be there to do a live Shark Farmer radio show, and we'll have equipment both on display and running out in the field from Case IH, John Deere, Agco, and more. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 29th. Go to agphd.com to learn more and register. Your soil, your season, your edge. Make the new three-point Soil Warrior Edge from Environmental Tillage Systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. And that same durable engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do. The new Soil Warrior Edge three-point mounted strip till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today. We've been talking about wheat seed treatments, and I was just saying before the break, uh, on the fungicide piece, use multiple fungicides. I don't care if we're talking corn, soybeans, wheat, whatever crop you have. Just use multiple fungicides. There are a lot of good ones out there. Use more of the newer ones. But the big thing that I always see in research is the most important thing is not necessarily which combination you use, but it's that you use something and not just one fungicide. So we're typically using four fungicides on our farm on just about any crop that we have, corn, soybeans, wheat, whatever, uh, oats even, and we're, we're throwing a little insecticide in there or having that in as a seed treatment, and then we're using some naturals as well. All right, we want to jump back to the phone lines here. We've got Brett call, Brent calling in from down in Texas. Brent, how are you today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Excellent. What can we do for you? All right. I went through a USDA equip program and sprigged a couple of fields of Tifton 85 Bermuda grass. Okay. And uh, I've got what we call sour grass. I'm not sure what the technical name is for. Some people call it hoorah grass. But it just took the fields over, you know, before my, my sprigs could really get started. I was wondering if there's anything that can be sprayed on that that will benefit it and not kill my Bermuda grass. Sure. Uh, so in in terms of this sour grass, I guess I, I, I'm going to have to look that up or Darren will look that up for me because uh, I'm not exactly sure which grass we're talking about there, but uh, hopefully we can find something. Usually when we talk Bermuda grass, it's, uh, uh, let's see, Pastora would be one product you could use. Well, let me ask you this. Have you used anything in Bermuda grass 
on in your operation in the past for grass control? I have not. I have not. Okay. Um, and simply because they're both grasses, I mean, I don't. I Would it be didn't oxalis? feel like there was anything there that was that was going to be beneficial to me. But I thought maybe you would know. <laughs> yep. So yeah, it. Well, Dar- Darren, you're, is it you're, oxalis? Yeah, but I, I, he's talking a grass. That's not a grass. That isn't that wood sorrel. So, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're on the right path there, Darren. Okay. So you, you got to find something else. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, Brent. What we should probably do is try to figure out exactly which grass you're talking about. Uh, so, uh, I, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass you back to our sister Janelle. She's actually taking the calls for us today. Get your information, okay. and we'll get back to you once we try to figure out which grass exactly that is, and then we'll give you a couple of options. All right, I appreciate it. Thank yep, you, sir. Yep, no problem. Yeah, it, it, that that is one of the things. The United States is a big country, and when we get as far away as so he's in Texas, he's at one end of the country. We're at the other end, on the northern side, and there are different grass species. And sometimes uh, people will use local grass names, which isn't necessarily the uh, uh, the grass name we might recognize that by. So I just want to make sure we're on the same page before we give a bad recommendation. All right, uh, Darren, let's move on. And if nothing else, we should probably make sure we cover that question during our show tomorrow. So for all of our listeners, they get whatever our answer would happen to be. But again, I just I want to make sure we're not giving bad advice. Okay, uh, this one came from Darren, and he's got a pasture grass issue with downy brome. He said, I've got downy brome trying to take over my pasture. Last fall, I was spraying distinct with a quart of 2,4-D. Also, the spring, I put on 70 acres or 70 units of urea uh, per acre and impregnated that with a pint and a half of graze on next. And I've got downy brome coming. Would any of those products that I used have any impact on the downy brome? Are there any herbicides that may have impact on downy brome? Um, and wondering what you're thinking about prowl although it's not labeled i'm considering trying it like you would do in a lawn situation trying to take care of that winter annual grass well darren thank you for the questions we appreciate that and and we aren't going to recommend anything that's off label we can't do that Uh, but I, i know what you mean here about the prowl that gets used in lawns a lot the active ingredient anyway pendimethalin and it can do a decent job on on killing some grass as it gets started so you'd have to kind of keep in mind about downy brome grass when that does get started it gets started in the fall so for me i look at a couple of things that that can help with downy brome control in the in the absence of a chemical program rotational grazing is certainly one and this is why we see a lot of weed problems in pastures this year we got really dry in a lot of areas of the of north america really last year and pastures got overgrazed because they just never had any regrowth after they got grazed a little bit so that's something to keep an eye on uh, rotational grazing can certainly help the fertility program could certainly help that grass get growing faster and better as well um, and speaking of faster growth, especially in the fall, we see more and more growers using Rise Up Smart Grass to try to push that grass growth late in the season to choke out some of these winter annual weeds. So rotational grazing, improving your fertility program, 
Uh, you, you put on some nitrogen, but did you do any soil testing? And are there some other things that could help you raise better grass? Maybe it's sulfur. Maybe it's micronutrients. I'm not sure. Maybe it's P and K. Don't know what what you had until you do some soil sampling out there to find out. And then the last one would be Rise Up Smart Grass. Try to get better grass growth in the late fall and early spring. That's just gibberellic acid. It's It can be used in organic situations as well as conventional farming. Okay, so to go back to our last caller, and he was talking about trying to kill grass in pasture. The, the two products we talk most about are Plateau and Pastora, both of which are labeled for downy brome. So it just depends on the type of grass you have. So you can just look up the labels for both Plateau and Pastora. Like in this case, that's probably your best bet. Our problem with our the last caller, there's not, not a problem with the caller, a problem for us was we, we weren't perfectly clear on which grass exactly we were talking about. Uh, so then then we had a much more difficult time. And when you say like cheatgrass, uh, to us that right away we know, oh, downy brome. So just because we're used to dealing with that around here. Whereas in other areas of the country, they might hear cheatgrass and they might think of something else. I don't know what their cheatgrass would be, but I'm just saying for us, we know like in this area, that's, that's downy brome. Okay. Uh, I get a question here. It's from Andreas in Sweden, and he said, I've got a question on a little different topic than what you guys are discussing here. I want to talk about spraying with an airplane versus ground rig. Certainly there are some high-clearance sprayers available in the market today, and they're filling the need where a lot of growers would normally use an airplane. Just wondering, I know that the pilots are highly skilled, and I give all respect to them, but when you're spraying at that highest speed, can they be as accurate as a ground rig? Does all the spray end up on the crop? Is it a little tougher to do that with an airplane? Just curious what your thoughts are there. Interesting uh, that we get this question today. Just two days ago, we had our trees sprayed with a helicopter. And so I don't care if we're talking helicopter or plane. We get these these questions about, well, boy, you know, you're way up in the air and what's going to happen. And so they always try to pick days obviously, that are going to be pretty calm. And they have to be careful about when they're doing this. They use a lot of caution with it. So I have great respect for the aerial applicators, whether it's plane or helicopter or whatever. Anyway, in terms of the coverage, this is a a question we get quite often because people say, well, I got to use 10 gallons ground. Well, how can they get by with two or three gallons or sometimes even one gallon by air? Well, part of it is just the push down. So I I walked through our trees then last night about 36 hours after application of, of what had gotten done, and they had put something in there, so there was some color, so there was some white speckles on stuff, so I could see where the coverage was, and I'm not going to say I was super surprised, but I was very happy to see coverage on lower leaves of some some bushes and things like that. And so the coverage is good. And if you talk to most farmers who have had aerial application done, whether by plane or by helicopter, they will tell you, uh, yeah, it's actually pretty good. So I'm very happy. Hey, one last thing. Earlier in the show, we were talking about grasshoppers, and I forgot to mention the product Dimelin. I couldn't think of the, the name off the top of my head, but Dimelin is a product that's labeled in a number of crops, including alfalfa. 
and that stops, it prevents grasshoppers from going to the next instar from molting. So if you use it early in the life cycle, like in the second through the fourth instar, it will stop them from going to the next stage. So it's a slow kill, but it's pretty natural and very selective uh, in insecticide. Thanks for your calls and agronomic questions today. And thanks for listening. Be sure to join again, join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.